Hello, and welcome to the Storied Arcs and Takuban coverage of Pluto. Today, we are tackling volumes three and four, and I am here as one of your co-hosts, Mike, and I'm here with your co-hosts, uh, Alex, and I'm Cole. And if you heard last week, you know we're, we've covered all the basic groundwork. We know you know how this uh, interacts with the Astro Boy material. I think we're ready to dive straight in. Uh, is there anything just right off the bat that you guys are just chomping at the bit here to talk about? Yeah, um, I'm pretty sure Adam's not dead. Or rather, <laughs> rather he is dead now, but he's not going to stay dead. Um, uh, yeah, no, I, I had a massive Freudian also- slip in my note-taking. I wrote uh, Astro saves uh, Uran, and I was like, nope, nope, nope. Not Astro, nope. yeah. Adam. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and I, I guess there's a larger question, too, of... Um, which gets to the heart of the story here. Uh, if we say that Adam is dead, that does imply that he, at one point he was alive, which brings us to one of the main conflicts of the story of is a robot alive? You know, how, how do we think of them that way? How do people in the story think of them that way? Um, obviously they referred to him on the news that he has died. Um, the, the way it's covered uh, uh, it, it, it is as if, you know, this robot lost its life and, um, but then that again that, that takes you to the heart of the question of is is AI alive? Is robotics alive? Is something that that man creates can that be living? Um, but I guess for ease of discussion, we can talk about him being dead, even though I think we're all pretty certain that he's not actually dead. Um, that'd be a that'd be a hell of a twist. It's like yes, this is based on an Astro Boy comic, and then not even halfway through, he's going to be out of it. Um, that'd be. That'd be a bold take. That I'm instead of I've I read enough comics, uh, uh, be in the Western uh, genre, the, the Western market, to know that no one ever stays dead, especially not the main character. I mean, I like uh, I like Euron a lot. So if we want to kind of phase phase Adam out and maybe she becomes the hero of the story, I'm, I'm okay. That would have been a killer twist. It would be a stellar twist. That, that would yeah. be a good way to go. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be against that. Um, I'm just I'm just not betting on it. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, that's that and, chances are slim. Yeah, I mean, I, I would think I think it was about this point in reading that I like learned that it was connected to Astro in some way. Like, I didn't know that when mm. I picked up Pluto one and two, I was just reading it and enjoying it for a story. And I was like, man, this is a lot of characters and they drop them in pretty quickly. Like I'm supposed to be somewhat familiar with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being said, I still believe it functions as an independent story because I still haven't read any Astro Boy. Um, oh, yeah. No, I don't. I don't but think like I've have, Googled things. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I, I don't think you have to know anything, although I did like the in that moment when when he when he flies off to meet Euron and uh, what was the dog's name? Was it Rocky or Bob? Uh, there's a couple of dogs. Bobby. Yeah, it was Bobby, the, the, the one dog. She, yep. there, there's there. You do get that one kind of shot of him flying where I, I mean my my reference is that he he looks like cannonball the x-men where you know his body is flying yeah. but like his legs basically just disappear into like propulsion mm-hmm. you know which is a very astro boy thing in terms of his legs become rockets or whatnot and he's flying through you get you get that little bit there of of um well i'm assuming he's an intentional nod to that original Astro boy even though his body is doesn't look as robotic as that original manga does the the visual of him flying through the air like that is is very much kind of an old school callback. So you know, I, I think at that point, well, if you're for for someone like me, if I hadn't known this was meant to be an Astro Boy thing, I would have seen that, and that would have been a trigger for me to say, oh right, this is this is clearly. I would have thought an homage. I wouldn't have thought that this is you know based off an actual story if I had not had I not looked it up. But you mm-hmm. know, I thought that was a. a a nice little small clever little Easter egg, Easter egg to throw back to people who who are more familiar with uh, with the original source. Yeah. Well, and since we're talking about her, uh, I think one of the things that his storytelling does, uh, the way he's unfolding this particular story is he does these little moments so well that make me like I shouldn't feel any emotion when an old man. I'm like, OK, I learned he's a professor and he's trying to repair a robotic dog. And then the dog, he realizes he can't do it. And the dog is like limping its way to him. And he's like, oh, he's trying to play with me and gets all teary eyed. I'm like, stop it. I shouldn't feel anything (laughs) from a character that I just met interacting with a robotic dog. But he like takes time when he needs to, to like zoom in on little moments like that. 
And with her, you know, rescuing the robot, um, kind of living in a tunnel, and she refuels him, yeah. and like you know, mm-hmm. her empathy the towards the homeless animals, guy, as it were, homeless yeah. guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was gonna call him a man, and then I was like, well, uh, men don't like groggily wake up and request fuel. Um, <laughs> so, uh, safe to assume pretty early on there that he's a bot, and uh, yeah. So I I loved that storyline for her which i think was just one or two chapters but really kind of taught us a lot about her Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and that was the one where you know adam was like this is a really really bad idea you should not be going there and she's like i trust my intuition i trust my ability to read things and people uh and 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 i think more often than not she's correct like you know her read on stuff is better than everyone else's because that's her ability I, mm-hmm. I think that that specific that specific couple chapters there, you know, it the way that was presented, I think I felt that both Adam and Yaron were right, you know. Sure. That 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 neither came off as being wrong, and it, it was he only became a danger really when Adam showed up because that was his his programming was to fight and you know the and mm-hmm. destroy destroy Adam. So um, she wasn't wrong to try to help him. And, and cause I think the point there I felt was to show, which I think ties into the revelation at the end of volume four, towards the end of volume four, when they're talking about the meeting of the three scientists and talking about what AI can do, it felt like the idea of creating this, this, this ideal robot, this one that can help create and save the world. And we see what that guy can do. The idea of him controlling the weather, making plants grow, things like that. The idea you get a sense of like, oh, this is someone that is, that has the, this robot has the ability to do extraordinary things specific to the idea of, of restoring the planet. And, and by her, her helping him, we, the readers see that. And then when Adam shows up, we see, oh wait, there's also another side to him. There's this, this homicidal side. So we get both, we, both those characters in that way, both Yaron and, and, and Adam are, are shown in opposition to each other. Um, but neither of them is, they're both proven correct that mm-hmm. yes, helping this guy was right. Helping this robot was right because there's something special about him and he was in need, but also whether it's his fault or not, his motivation or not, he's also a danger. He's also something that's that's something that you should be afraid of. So, you know, showing both sides of that, but but really putting the time in. I think that is something that I, I came across um, really in these two volumes that I got out of it was that uh, you, you mentioned, Mike, there's a lot of characters, a lot of storylines, a lot of places, a lot, lot of settings. Um, but lots we, of professors, yeah, you know, it, lots of scientists. Yeah, but <laughs> Urso, he, he spends time, he, he puts the work in, and, and it, it, it made us be like a, what ultimately comes to maybe like two or three pages of just panels there. But, you know, showing Euron going back and over to this guy, helping this guy out, being alone with this guy and seeing what he sees. You, you mentioned the professor with the dog trying to fix the dog like how many panels were there of him just working on it you know right. over right. and over and over again so you see the effort that he is putting into it um which then so when he's unable to to fully fix the dog and 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 you had that yeah, you had that moment where it's still alive it's still moving trying to play trying to be a dog you have a couple pages there you saw the work that he put into it uh and, and then ultimately not be able to succeed you know, he Yorosawa is taking the time to to flesh all those stories out, so the read, so he can connect with the reader, so you can right. So, so those but that's a way to land. teach us yeah. about his character, and then you realize that was all a ploy by Goji because he knows he knows this professor, and he's like, oh yeah, I can totally get him with a dying oh, robot y- dog. Y- oh, I, I, and, I, I, and that's yeah. when it becomes great plotting too. It's not oh, yeah, just yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's not just that he uh not just for the audience right yeah yeah yeah, yeah no. um but we built that character and are able to uh all right yeah so you know there's you know the idea of him i, I think what i like is that he is what Urasawa has done is he he's taking time to do these these character moments you know because he knows that's more than just more than just a character moment it does feed back into the plot but the idea that he can spend a couple of pages here and there reinforce what he's trying to get across there and a lot of times it's done it's done with very little very little dialogue you know like i said the 
the the professor working on the on the dog was just him like sitting at a workbench, different angles, you know, but you, you get the sense of time and the amount of effort he puts into it. So the fact that he's, you know, and I guess this probably comes with the idea of, of taking an original story and, and expanding on it, you know, putting more, giving yourself more room to tell the story to, to, to flesh out and fill out the world and, and all the characters in it. And again, you know, you know, Mike, you and I haven't read the original, but I have to imagine these are things that these are beats that Urasawa is putting in because he, because he wants a fuller world. He wants a fuller story. At the same time, I think it would have been so easy for him to commit the opposite error and take the characters for granted. Like, oh, everybody knows who this is. Yeah. I don't yeah, need to sure. spend any time mm-hmm. getting to know yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and or, I, and or I he, just love that he didn't do that. Or he, he could have taken the the expansion of a story in, in a different direction, you know, and 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 um almost like like world build just for the sake of world building you know kind of like tolkien style like we're going to talk about right. this bush here for for 20 pages or something <laughs> um but uh yeah no i i like that he's he has focused that on character um and he's not afraid to jump away from our main characters and give us something entirely new you know like we talked last week we got what was it three chapters with north number two is that what it was? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And and so, you know, in this story, you know, we we get, we follow, um, what Adolf. The, the, yeah, Adolf. Uh, mm-hmm. it, there's a lot of in, incredibly subtle uh, <laughs> uh, uh, metaphors in this, uh, in, 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 yeah, this in this couple of volumes here. So with, subtle. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I, that's I, one of my. That's one of my notes I have is that the, yeah. the political, kind of the, the more political yeah. stuff in this is uh, very. Very on the nose. Even in the first couple of volumes, I think they call them like robots of mass destruction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they don't really, right. they don't really hide it. Here we have, you know, the the literal KKK, and yeah. uh, we have Adolf. He's got the the Hitler haircut going too. He like, didn't give him the mustache though. I, I was I was yeah. shocked at the restraint to not give him the mustache too. Well, I assume uh, yeah, like this is like a Adolf origin story. So I think he'll end with a mustache or yeah. well, maybe and also, he'll just smash his no, lip on an inkwell. Or something. Yeah. Well, no, mm-hmm. Cole mentioned that. And it, it was obviously, we talked about it last week. The idea of the, uh, that central Asian conflict is, is, is a, a not even thinly veiled, you know, uh, one-to-one of, you know, the, the U S invasion of Iraq, weapons of mass destruction, yeah. things of that nature. And obviously the, the two leaders are depicted, you know, Darius is, is, and he, he's, Clearly Saddam Hussein, the the president is 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 clearly George W. Bush, you know, the know the the American president or whatever they call America in the story, the one that's being controlled by the the little teddy bear robot, um, or manipulated by. It, 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 it's so very very obvious. And then here we get even a, a a more obvious thing, as you mentioned, the KKK or the the KR or whatever it's called here. But they do reference specifically mention the KKK. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. as 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 being a similar thing and and i i in case just... it was too subtle yeah no, like, I, I know if, we were all yeah. prone to miss that kkk connection with the white hoods and what i w- what i was struck with though is is how american-centric the story is but in very specific ways mm-hmm. um and, and and i guess this is you know i i Obviously, the, the U.S. invasion of Iraq was 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 a big deal. I'm sure that was, that's that's worldwide global news. But like, is the idea of the KKK really something that's that is is pervasive? Like, is that a is that I I just I wonder if that mm-hmm. symbology, that visual, which is so stark in America, you see it here. Doesn't matter where you are, you know what it is. Um, like, does that translate around the world? Um, that was the as, question I had too. Yeah. Is kind of how. How obvious that is to their, you know, prior primarily Japanese readership, exactly. right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So and even even just there, there's a visual, and when the one character references, although like the KKK, does mm-hmm. that does that land with I said a, a mostly Japanese or or at least initially Japanese audience? I was curious about that. I mean, I think it, this it, is it, probably not as far removed, but there is the Five Orange Pips, which is one of the short stories for. Um, Sherlock Holmes by Arthur Conan Doyle, 19th century. And one of the key plot points in there is the KKK in America. Um, those three letters appear and Sherlock, of course, knows what the KKK is, yeah. what they're about. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Thus, either the implication was we're informing British readers about this thing or we we all know globally what the KKK yeah. is. 
Um, but I I agree. There's a to- I think there's a substantial difference between 19th century Brits knowing about the KKK and young Japanese readers. Yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. Do, do you see that a lot, Cole? In 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 in, in mangas that are set in or, or you know effectively our it's world or a version of our world, yeah. where where there are allusions to to let's say specifically America and American either pop culture or just history, um, in terms of not just referencing that, but also like maybe like how they're viewed by someone who's not from here. Like, there's no. Not saying you have to give nuance to the KKK, but like there, there clearly isn't any in 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 what we're depicting here. We we're, we're getting the most, you know, the, the way any like Hollywood depiction of the KKK would be. You know, just like these guys mm-hmm. are flat out villains. They're they're discriminatory. Like these are the bad guys. Even though we get the the, the one guy who you know because his life's in danger, they've turned on him. He's he's kind of coming around. But do you see that a lot in 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 let's you know in in again I, I want to say like any mangas that are that are set in our world like having these kind of references to 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 other cultures specifically in America I'm trying to think like the way american like culture i guess is referenced yeah. a lot is either like very obvious pop culture beats so, like there's a series that's really big my hero academia that's mm-hmm. it's all about superheroes yeah there's I'm a, a ton of allusions that. to yeah. to you know to just like traditional western comics there um, there is a good one. There's a, a Death Note one shot um, that was released it maybe a few years straight ago. Straight up has Trump in it. Yeah, it's basically just Donald Trump. <laughs> so it's like that's pretty hilarious. It's like oh, they you know the the way they sort of think about him is not that different from the way he's you know yeah. like portrayed here in normal media too. Um, so it is interesting kind of what they pick and choose. And even Death Note also, there's a whole kind of stretch where they're dealing with like. I guess like these mafia or like mobster kind of people, but the way they all dress and act and stuff is very much like, oh, the like you only are sort of aware of this from watching a movie or, you know, it's a a lot of it. You can tell it's like, you you know, you're familiar with some of this stuff because of how it's depicted in, in like media. You've seen the Sopranos or you've seen the Godfather. Mm -hmm. This, this is how you think America, which is, I mean, and that's how cops talk. And yeah, I mean, yeah, which to be fair, Mm -hmm. I think Americans also get informed by uh, those things. Sure. Yeah. Um, Like the, 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 the the way we think of, 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 of the mafia of, of, you know, Cosa Nostra or whatever is because, Mm -hmm. yeah, we've all seen the Godfather, you know, know, and, and, and and even, and even, I mean, even the Sopranos, like they reference the, the Godfather exists in the world. Of the Sopranos, so like that, it's kind of a feedback loop. There. But that that's interesting that you, that you in your answer there, Cole, because it's I, I'm always I always wonder about that when we're talking about media made, you know, knowing this it'll go around the world. But the idea of you, what your intended audience or initial audience is when they depict, like, say, yeah, American culture or whatnot, is it just the same? Is it a reflection of what our media is that we put out there, or is it is it you know, is it a is it meant to be a deeper commentary, or is it just like, hey, at least in this case, like we know these are the bad guys, and we know that, like, you know, it, it, if you know what the KKK is outside the states, you you understand their mm-hmm. their 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 connection. You, you know what that denotes that it 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 automatically registers as as hatred and evil, uh, and that's a shorthand. Um, I mean, in the same way, the yeah. that a German looking guy named Adolf. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, obviously, a like, much smaller scale, but but uh, they they doubled down. They're like, w- w- we need to make sure these guys are both Nazis and KKK. You know, of course, mm-hmm. that 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 Venn diagram is pretty much a circle anyway, at least in this country. <laughs> but but right. still, it was it was it was it, that that did it felt a little hat on hatish. You know, like we're gonna we're, we're gonna make sure everything we have on here. But um, mm-hmm. but it, it is the kind of thing though. You know, we we can we can we can comment on how how obvious it is, but. It's another side to what Urasawa is trying to build in this world, though, right? This, you know, we we saw some of the anti-robot sentiment before, and the natural progression is, well, yeah, there would be some sort of secret underground um, society that 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 is is hell bent on on the removal. Like that's that's well, the that's right. the natural. And I think step. you also have to consider like there are younger readers that mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. aren't going to be. As savvy, they're not going to pick up on little subtleties. So sure. maybe yeah. you just have to draw things out one or two more beats than an adult would need. 
just to make sure everybody's along for the ride. And I don't have a problem with that. I don't think that's gilding the lily necessarily. Uh, no, no. I, yeah. I'm not saying he shouldn't have done it. I think, yeah. I, maybe my, my, my commentary is, 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 yeah, is as an order reader. When you see a guy named Adolf and he's in a white pointy hat and robe, you're like, that's a little much there, you know, but well, you, you, you're not wrong on that, Mike. I don't think. Yeah. I think it, it does a good job of, it, it makes it very obvious the way that like Urasaw wants you to see this this kind of uh you know this like anti robot group because prior to like you know you see them in these in these white hoods this guy's name is Adolf you're like okay these guys are clearly bad yeah. whereas before that it's like you know there's kind of this anti robot sentiment it's like well you know maybe maybe there's an aspect to the story it's like maybe the robot should you know maybe maybe they are bad for society right like maybe they are causing problems maybe we don't need the robots and this is very much like a here you go. Like I, I want these people to very obviously be the be the villain, you yeah. know. And I, I think there's there's kind of something to be said for that too. That is true. That is true. The, the, that there he the first couple of volumes there were little shades of just like you're uncomfortable around them. You know, it's actually something that you know Mike and I we talked about a little bit when we did uh, when we talked about not all robots. Uh, Cole, this is a, a book that we discussed. Um, it, it's mm-hmm. a satire. I mean, you can tell by the name, not all robots, kind of. <laughs> what the idea is but this this idea of robots replacing humans in the workforce and then those robots getting replaced by newer shinier nicer robots um in the workplace and and again it's a satire on 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 our on our world and our look at it but there are those similar kinds of ideas of like you know there are people who look at them in 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 shades of gray like is this good maybe but there are just because they're helping society doesn't mean everything about them is good maybe and and you can you have some room for for some debate and some some discussion uh but yeah you're you're right though cold it's uh when when you have the the ko we have the guys in the hoods it's it's trying to make it very obvious that regardless of what you saw before like these are the bad guys no matter what they do no matter what their motivations are whatever we see them do um these guys are evil. These guys are the bad mm-hmm. dudes, and there's no there's no ambiguity on that. Yeah, well, and I think there is a little bit more subtlety to Adolf than yeah. oh, he's just bad because he's bad. Uh, the fact that we get like the backstory of how his dad died, you know, not a great guy trying to do the best by his kids, but just not a good person. Yeah. And then you know we see him very uncomfortable with his brother's take on stuff. But still, kind of has that blind loyalty of like, well, he is my brother, mm-hmm. you know. So, uh, and there's this ongoing thing, at least as where I am right now. This whole thing of like, like these are bad people. The the, the people they they, they they can't like these guys are the worst. These guys are evil, and they're like, but dude, your brother, boy, like like yeah, w- w- no, they they all agree. Yeah, like, yeah. So, so. Uh, yeah, we're kind of yeah, addition by subtraction, you know. Yeah, yeah. So so the, 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 this idea that. Um, again, I, so I, I've only read through, through, through the end of book four years. So I, I can't spoil any of the listeners, anything before there, but the fact that it comes up like seemingly every third page with, uh, with Adolf, whenever he's talking to anybody, there's someone who's all, who's always just like, no, yeah, by the way, your brother. Yeah. What that guy did. Oh boy. You know, that no matter what this, no matter what Adolf has done, no matter what people around him are like, there's always someone being like, yeah, but your brother, man. And even I guess Adolf himself says it too. He's like, I know my brother wasn't a good man. Like, I'm not saying he deserved to die. Not saying that, but like, maybe not so sad that he's not around, but still, you know, you know, it, 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 there's a caveat there because he is his brother. But every, there's, there's this this cloud of like what that guy did was so far out of field. You know, he was so out of pocket on that that even 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 the KKK is like, dude, like you know, you know, your 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 reputation in our group of terrible people is stained because of what your brother did. You know, and so I I, I find that interesting in terms of like what could that be? And and um again, you know, I. I'm not going to spoil anybody and I'm not going to have Cole or Mike say anything to me either. This, this idea of um, like there's Chekhov's gun and then there's whatever this is because it's been, it's been mentioned so many times. It feels like not that it's going to be like some major revelation in terms of how heinous it was, but I do feel like it's going to be something important. So I guess we'll mm-hmm. uh, the see about that as we go forward. But um, it, it's notable to me how often it is mentioned 
and what everyone else's reaction, or really not everyone else's, but what everyone's reaction is to it. Because we, we've already seen what Adolf's feelings are to his brother. But like when we see other people in the group there, when we see the cops who are interrogating him after his car blows up, like everybody's got a take on this dude. And it's like the one thing they all agree on that that his brother, that Adolf's brother was like, look, whatever he did was the worst thing ever. Yeah, like, no, like like, universal, when, you look, universal when the clan looks at a guy and they're like, come on, this guy's making us look bad. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. when you've crossed the line. Yeah, yeah, you've, you've gone too far there. So like if you're looking for the line, look behind you. It's several yeah. hundred yards behind <laughs> you. Um, Cole, is there uh, any any character beat or chapter or anything particular you wanted to talk about? Uh, one of the things that I'm kind of continually fascinated with with this manga is the kind of the the pacing and the rhythm of it i you know like i said a, lo- a lot of manga that that we read on on our show has the tendency to to kind of get a little too in the weeds or drag at times just like very sluggish and this is one that could easily do that but it's not it's so quick and he i think your is also very good at doing this thing where it feels like every volume feels like it's the the penultimate volume like you know even after reading volume four it's like oh well you could end it in volume five if you wanted to but he kind of keeps stringing you along but not in a way that's frustrating or annoying um so i think just like his ability to to kind of craft this and like i said make this story that is kind of like at its core very dense just like extremely breezy and easy to to go through because uh a, a lot of uh manga artists cannot do that they they have not oh shown the the, yeah. the ability to uh to, to to write like that i gotta say i i think that that's that's a great a great observation that i i i, I can tell uh and again re- reading this as as someone who who has focused on 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 western comics um that idea of pacing and when you feel like maybe you're getting like 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 the worst thing i think when reading sequential art whether it's in volumes like this or or single issues in in the U.S. market, is when you start reading an issue and, and you're into the story, and it feels like it is it, it as you're reading it, it feels unnecessary. You know, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, this is like like w- what's this issue about? Like, what are we doing here? Is this a filler? Is this important? And then maybe five issues later, it ties together. You're like, oh, great, look how clever he was. It made sense. But in the mm-hmm. moment when you're reading it. It feels like, 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 why is this important? Because the the creators, the authors, there, they haven't made it feel important in the moment, you know. So it, it's almost immaterial if it all feels important at the end. Like that, that just feels like an exercise in the creators being clever. Like, hey, look at all these disparate things that tied in and it all worked out. Um, but when you when you when you're not engaged as you're reading it for the first time, I think that's a failure of storytelling. And what I found so far is every time he jumps away from, I guess, the main story, right, which is following Gazit and 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 his his whether it's his journey, whether it's specifically on this 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 serial killer beat or whatnot, or just his um, just him navigating through what these nightmares are and all that. Anytime we jump away from that, I don't feel like we've lost the thread at all. And I mm-hmm. think that goes back to. Um, those three issues, those three chapters with North number two, because that was so well done. You start out, you're like, I don't know what's going on here, but he makes you engaged in that story. And then of course he rips you right out of that. But like you get that bit of a detour and you know, it's like you're on a side story that does tie in very quickly, but he, he, he's able to get you engaged with these other characters. Um, and make you care about them. So as you're, as I'm reading through now, and yeah, we jump to the story with, with Adolf or we follow Yernon who we just got introduced to who we, you know, she, she was on the last page basically of, of volume two. So we haven't spent any time with her and getting a little more time with her and, and seeing what she's able to do. Um, having Adam basically not be in here, like, at, you know, Adam being, um, he's like a, na- literally a nagging older brother. Uh, in in a couple chapters and then he comes into a big fight and then he dies you know we don't see gazit for several chapters at all and none of that feels out of place to me as i'm reading i'm not missing anything because i i feel like all these parts are not that i can see the whole tapestry 
You know, I can't see the whole thing all at once, but everything feels of a piece and nothing feels wasted. And, uh, and I think that's, that's a testament, I think to, to Urasawa's skill as a, as a storyteller, as you were saying, Cole, it's just that um, any direction he wants to take this, I have yet to feel like anything is, is a waste of my time. You know, mm-hmm. no matter which direction he goes, no matter what path he takes to his story to get back to his main story, uh, I feel engaged. And and as a reader, that's something that I, I I wholly appreciate, especially having read so many stories that wander off and don't have that feeling. So when I get to one like that. Um, but it's also it's an I earned it's trust yeah. at this point. It is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, he he put the work in. From the get go, you know, he got me attached to Gazik and then immediately yanked me away from that for North number two, got me attached to him, came back to Gazik. And then next time we leave Gazik, I trust him because the North number two story was great. Exactly. And, and then he continues to surprise and delight you each time he introduces a character. I think, uh, you know, the one wrestler guy who died, he got a good treatment, but not nearly as in depth as North number two. Mm-hmm. And so that one felt maybe like a tad rushed in hindsight. I, I but also see, well, I'm not sure what else there was to say about him other than he had a family. But, well, that's well I, I think. Say, yeah, sorry. Go, go ahead, Cole. No. I was going to say, yeah, I think that's that's almost a little bit of the point of his. Was that Brando? Or... I was going to say yeah. Brando. It, it, yeah, and I was, was like, was I think I'm putting too many letters. One of, in. one of the two. It, it was. It, yeah, was I think... it was. It was. Well, I I saw it as Brando. Yeah, Hercules okay. is the one who's still alive. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think you know part of the point of him almost was because he is a little bit different than the other robots right he's a little more we'll say like hot-headed i guess so i think that's kind of the you know it works with his character also where he's trying to he's kind of going out in the blaze of glory a little bit right he's he's rushing into the fight and i think he's also the one too back when they are you know in volume two maybe when they're kind of talking about the war he's the one that that comes up he's like well i had you know 2,187 kills exactly right. Like, I think this is kind of his vibe. So maybe we don't get to spend as much time with him, but it almost works. Like his whole, his whole sort of persona and character is, is rushed, right? He's, he's, he's always kind of moving. Yeah, But also I think, I think with, when you look at him and with North number two, we spent time with North number two because that robot was on a journey to get somewhere. I think with Brando, the idea was when, cause he gets to him, like, He's pretty content. Like I found mm-hmm. happiness in his family. So he's not on a journey. We just we catch him at the end of his journey. And so when he goes and he fights Pluto and and he makes a sacrifice, it's like we didn't need to see him get to where he's at because we, we met him there and we already understand that in a short time with him, this guy wrestles. Okay, he's great. And he's got a family, he's got a bunch of kids, and that's what he cares about. And that's kind of what he's doing this for. He didn't have to go on a journey. It was like, I think for Gazit, it was to see like, this is what the end could, or this is a possible end, you know? You know, because I think at some point he talks to him about, do you have children or anything like that? And Gazit's like, no. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's almost like showing, it was like showing him, this is what the end could be. You could reach this level of happiness and contentment. And yes, in the end, he goes out in this place of glory, but that is consistent with what we saw in that he felt he had to do this. Um, it's the idea of like, I'm not, you can't go out there thinking you're saving the world. I'm trying to save my family. And that's it. You know, that's only thing on his mind was I got to stop this guy. Cause if I do that, my family's safe. And if so be it, the whole world is saved, great. But his motivation was just his wife and his kids. And there was nothing else for him to, no, nowhere else for him to go in that way. So as you're saying, Mike, there's not much more for, not much more character explanation we could have gotten out of him. Because I think the point was, we're just showing a guy who's at the end, who's who's found what he needs, you know? And I yeah, think we're, I, we're think- left with other robots. Like there's 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 Hercules Stale, who's who wants to keep fighting. And now that he's not, he's a little bit lost. Um, he wanted to do something very similar to what Brando did, right? He in in this volume, we see that he also, you know, quote unquote, steals a military mech mm-hmm. and it has a and wants to go out and and fight the same way that Brando did. But it's um the Australian robot it was uh Epsilon, Epsilon, Epsilon. Yeah, you know, she comes in and and stops him so you see hercules is a little lost now cuz he he's trying to find that motivation he's on a journey now and then we have epsilon who is i guess she was the the conscientious objector right that was kind of her her role in the war 
didn't fight at all. Right. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. you know, so, but, but the characters we're left with are the ones that are still on a journey that we, that were every time we go back to, it, I think we see a little bit more and more out of them. Yeah. Um, there, there's, I, I was going to say one more thing about Brando and I'm debating cause I'm like, technically that's last episode. That's all right. But I do think the one beautiful payoff he got was we realized in that conversation, they're all, you know, kind of traumatized about their war experiences and yeah. he's totally cool with it. Mm -hmm. And I think that was part of his rationale of like, I don't want my friends to have to do any more killing. It really bothers them. I will mm -hmm. square off against this threat. And I think that's the most positive spin I can give to his character, you know, kind of saying, I'm going to go out and oh, yeah. fight this thing on my own mm -hmm. because they, they don't like this. They don't want this. Uh, they're not proud of killing. Uh, and I chose to keep fighting for a living even after I finished uh, being in combat. Well, so. I, I think I think Hercules feels the same way about that, where he's left now, you know, and, and we, we saw that and said we saw that in this volume where it was clear he was trying to do the same thing that Brando did. You know, he was going to go and I'm going to go take this on. I'm going to go fight, you know, get this mech ready for me so I can go do it. And he would have he would have done that had Epsilon not stopped him, you know. But it, it's that same kind of idea of of uh, I'm going to take on this burden, right? I'm going to do this because I know I'm the only one who can or I'm the only one who can handle it. Um, there's an act of there's a self. It's a it's a selfish act of selflessness kind of, you know. Like the the idea that the it's that kind of that martyr complex. This idea of like I'm the only one that can do this. It all comes down to me. But in your mind, you're thinking oh, I'm doing this for everybody else. Sure. So it, it, yeah, it, I mean, it, and it, I think you, that's you, a you slightly that more cynical way to read it, which is probably is, not is. false. But, yeah, but I was like, yeah, if we want to say he gave you know Brando as good of treatment as he yeah. gave everybody else, that's at least a layer. Uh, you know, whether yeah. it's a positive yeah. layer or a negative layer, it is a layer. Well, I'm not saying it's negative necessarily. I'm just saying that when you when you when you try to break down and, and psychoanalyze that kind of mindset, um, the idea of I'm the only person that can do this or I'm going to do this for someone else. You know, it, it, there's a selfishness to that in, in thinking that you're the only one that can do it. Even if your motivation is pure of like, I'm doing this to help somebody else. I'm doing this. so You don't have to. You know, there's a presumption there that the person you're doing this for can't or doesn't want to or can't handle it. You know, they're, so they're, they're, they, I I think they're, they're, I'm not saying it's a negative. I'm saying that it, it straddles that line there that, we, you know, we, there's there's a bit of a martyr complex there that I think I think most of these robots have because they are these super advanced, you know, the seven most advanced robots in the world or whatever. The idea that we can do things that not only other humans can't do, but other robots can't do. You know, we're the only ones that can do this. And that's kind of been drilled into them, into their program. They're hardwired into believing that because they're not wrong, right? Like they're, they're right. You know, yeah. And it could be, um, you know, it could be the old Peter Parkerism, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. Yes. And they it, see, exactly. yeah. you know, oh, well, you know, we have more power than anyone else. Therefore, yes, uh, we, you know, we, we have, have to, to do put this. up with the insults. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, yep. You know, we also receive the praise, but because of that, we have a greater burden uh, to serve, mm -hmm. uh, which is, I think, a you know, a good way to be about it. Um, the one character that we meet really early on in volume three, possibly, yeah, I think in, in the chapter 16 is Professor uh, Abra, who mm -hmm. I think his, you know, we find out quite a bit more about him pretty quickly, but his mere existence uh you know epsilon is I, it was i believe it's epsilon who says you know humans and robots shouldn't really try to get any closer to each other because the line the line's yes. getting blurry and that's not a good thing that's one uh, of the i think her the first appearance or, or, or when we see right that's one of the right, first things think, they say right yeah which yeah. you mm -hmm. know is why she would explain why she's so recluse and withdrawn yeah yeah um and we see you know abra himself is the mind of a human, but mostly a robotic body now to the point where like robots read him as a robot. Yeah. Uh, you know, humans already knew him as a human. Uh, Astro, uh, uh, Adam is like, mm, uh, I don't know what that dude is. Like, I just, you know, stared at him for a few seconds and he, he kind of stumped me and he kind of embodies that 
oh, it's gone too far of crossing, you know, humans and robots. And obviously that is his intent with the robots he creates as well is, uh, you know, give them human bodies and, you know, dare I say he's pushing them toward human emotions, uh, which, which I think both sides of the conflict agree. That's what we don't want is humans and robots be so, being so entwined that they're indistinguishable. Um, because as I understand it, it's not good for humans if robots have all of this ability and they're smarter than us and they feel like we feel we have nothing left over them. Yeah, I think that that's the that that that's the kind of the you know the human art side. and yeah. music and yeah. and you know all the stuff mm-hmm. North North Two is going for. Yeah, uh, I think that's a devastating blow for humanity. Yeah. Uh, that's also like a real scarcity mentality and a real negative way to view it. Yeah, I I have not reached the end of this story yet. I doubt there will be a resolution. Ultimately, like I don't think it's going to have a final take to say like here's the correct view of balancing humans and robots in the world. Um, you know, I think it will keep wrestling with this theme, but I don't expect them to put a bow on it. What do you, you guys have any thoughts on that? That's what I think. That's what I suspect too. Because, like I said, reading I've only read you know three total volumes of Astro Boy, but that is, you know, kind of this uh, this difference between robots and humans. You know, the this kind of fight between like these kind of anti-robot people. The you know the laws that we're putting against robots, all that sort of thing is very much. I mean, it's the core of every single one of those volumes. So I suspect that. You know, it would be nice almost if Pluto does leave it pretty ambiguous like that as like, hey, you know, whatever. The the story of Pluto is wrapped up, but there is still kind of work to be done in this in this world, in this society. Um, yeah. You know, I think that would kind of kind of match what goes on with, you know, or, you know, what stays under the service of Astro Boy the entire time, too. Yeah, I, I think I, I'd, agree, I, I'd agree. That's where I'd like the story to go. I, if everything were to wrap up super, super nicely. The, the story is the story, but if the larger world, the larger com- larger questions all wrap up real nicely and be like, ta-da, that's the end, um, that would feel... It would feel like we're telling the last Astro Boy story ever. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It, it would it would feel disingenuous to the world and the story that, that he's already built if, if the end of this story is the end of these larger issues, um, as opposed to the idea of what I would kind of hope the story gets with is 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 just further understanding and 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 asking the right questions and working towards a better answer and a, and a better world um as opposed to just wrapping up being like yeah we're there and and it, it probably that would that would feel like a like a magical fairy tale ending and that doesn't seem that doesn't seem consistent with what we're seeing uh, so far mm-hmm. right. well, and I, I like think, the idea oh, oh no go ahead I was just saying I like the idea too of it uh you know the the story could end and still leave you with like, oh, well, there's clearly a lot more here to the Astro Boy world, right? Like, oh yeah, no, you know, there's definitely. there's an entire Astro Boy KKK that is touched yeah. on in Pluto, but maybe that's not wrapped up, right? Yeah. So yeah, it's like, yeah. well, let me go check out Astro Boy because I want to see, you know, like there's there's all this other conflict that gets mentioned in Pluto, but isn't isn't resolved. So like, yeah. let's let's go read definitely, these yeah. twenty three Astro Boy volumes and see yeah, see what's going yeah. on. That this story can wrap up. This story needs to wrap up, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean the whole world is done. That there are other things that that maybe that it leaves you with. Here's what the next story could be, or other stories could be, yeah. uh, because the world still exists, and it, it's that the world is that full and that uh, uh, kind of robust. It can support more than just this individual narrative. Absolutely, I think that, and I think I think yeah, we we see that in terms of what he's building he, because Urasawa has put that time in to build out this world and these other characters, uh, whether they're secondary or tertiary or whatnot. Just knowing that the world is populated and we're seeing all these different places, you know, all these different countries that we're in 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 various parts of the world. That yeah, that they're when this story is over, you have to think that. You, you would want to think, Errol, well, what's the next story in this world? Whether it's an Astro Boy, an Adam story or not, whether it's mm-hmm. based on anything else, you would want to still be in that world. And, and I can see that definitely being the case when you get to the end of being like, well, that was a good story. What's the next one in this world? For me, I know that's that when I get that feeling out of a story, that's when I know, um, that's when I know I think I, 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 
I want to say got my money's worth, but you know, where, where it was fulfilling to read where mm-hmm. if that narrative is done and I want to stay in that world. And I get the sense that because of so what we're seeing here, some of these other side stories, I'd say, I don't know how they all tie in the end, but um, I'd like to know more about this world, more about its history, more about some of these other characters. I said, and I'm only halfway through. So no, I'm, 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 I'm looking forward to that when, when I get to the end of, of, of seeing that, if that feeling continues. Yeah. Um, there are a couple characters at this point we still haven't mentioned and uh just want to drop them in there so by volume three you know not having read you know the the greatest robot in the world i'm like okay who is this killer surely we got to get like a cutscene to the killer or something like that so when when uh ron or whatever her name is 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 meeting with the man under the bridge i was like oh that's guy that's him it's Pluto, uh, you know, and he seems nice. So I'm like, he clearly has some ultra personality that takes over something like that. And then you meet the guy, you know, with all the bugs coming out of his mouth. And I was like, oh, that's Pluto. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like <laughs> the story I don't think is trying to make you guess, because I think the story assumes you're an Astro Boy fan. So, you know, who the killer is. So it's not about the reveal mm-hmm. uh, necessarily. Um, but we haven't mentioned the bug guy who I don't think we get a name for. Uh, we haven't done much with the men under the bridge. And then uh, two times in these books, we get someone having a horrifying vision of Bora. Yeah. Uh, you know, that big mm-hmm. shadowy thing. And then they get that look of panic in their eyes and they just barely mutter out Bora. And that's usually the end of the chapter. Yeah. Uh, so any thoughts on that whole underbelly of, you know, we're starting to see the killer. We're starting to see the conspiratorial side. That's working well, yeah. against our detectives, and, and we, we, you know, we get the reveal. I guess the reveal, quote unquote, of Pluto, um, and and get the sense that obviously he's something different about him that he can, I guess, move from body to body or, or consciousness to consciousness. Like he can, you know, he was he was trapped or he was in that that homeless guy under the bridge there, and then uh, was only revealed, I guess, when when he kind of went into a rage when he saw Adam there. But he was able to basically leave that body, um, and, and so maybe the the idea that that he can he can what do they call it like soul I, I think there's a phrase for it that mm-hmm. he, he can hop bodies back and forth and we we get a sense that of maybe who's behind him you know we we got that bug guy who I guess is really just like surveillance like he he he's, he he's a he's kind of the he's the guy you send out to find people that I guess all the bugs can. You know, uh, uh, I assume they're real, like actually robotic bugs network. Yeah, yeah, but they, yeah. they, they, they go and do recon and stuff and come back. He, he seems to be kind of a a henchman there. But you know, you, you might, and then this vision of Bora and then or that sound is, you know, we get that again name checked. You know, the what the, the the Bora investigation. Everyone who was involved with that, with that specific committee or whatever it was, those are the people that are being targeted and being killed. So. You know that that seems to be some sort of linchpin here of of whatever happened in the past is you know anyone linked to that specifically is 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 a target right now you know human and or robot or whatever so so yeah I think it's, it's just that's more just kind of sprinkling these things in um, that Orasar is doing that the you know the reader can latch on to and you know by doing it you know by going back to it over and over again having a couple of those visions there dropping the name. First, as like a sound effect, and then someone's reaction, and then you name check it again. Like Bora is an official thing, like the Bora mm-hmm. investigation. Again, it just reinforces that, like, hey, these are things you need to pay attention to. And, and maybe it's not the most subtle way of doing it, but again, it's about you know, I think making his intention clear. Of we don't know what this is yet. We don't know what it's going to mean yet. But you know, pay attention to this. It's going to be important, so you don't feel blindsided when you do get to the end. You know, right. mm-hmm. like he he's making it very clear what the breadcrumb trail is. And I don't think that takes away from the storytelling um, because he's not he's not spoiling what the ending is going to be. He's just saying, hey, be sure to pay attention to this stuff. You know, he's not he's not making the he's not he's not forcing the audience to have to be clever on their own. You know, you can you can speculate on what Bora is and what that means. But um which maybe he wants you to do that, but there's no ambiguity as to that. Whatever bore is, is important. You know, mm-hmm. he's taking that part out of it. He's making sure you focus on that and then allowing you to speculate on whatever the hell that could mean down the line. One of the uh, things that I really have liked you, cause we started to get a little more introduction into 
into Pluto like itself, yeah. which, you know, it, in Astro Boy, Pluto is always sort of, there's, he has like two kind of big, uh, I guess, like character points to it, which one is that it's always uh, referred to as like this kind of force of nature. Like it always, every time it enters the the scene, it comes in as like a giant tornado. And that's yeah. really shown here. I think it's Definitely. chapter maybe 26 where, you know, Astro or Adam goes and kind of fights this giant tornado hurricane thing. You yeah. know, I think uh, Urasawa does a really great job of like kind of bringing that out of, out of his like, you know, really playing up the the force of nature aspect of it that that you know Tezuka had originally put into the to the story and then the other part is that the Pluto sort of whether it wants to or not it kind of has to fight these other seven robots like that's there's there's a bunch of times that in the the original arc or the original story where you know it it doesn't necessarily want to have to fight Astro Boy or whoever and you know they'll ask they're like you know well why do you why do you have to fight me he's like because that's what I'm pro- that that's what I'm programmed to do they kind of keeps repeating that and that's shown in that uh, that part where you know when when Adam shows up and the the guy just kind of goes goes berserk the the dude under yeah, the bridge yeah. or whatever he was yeah. drawing so I I like how you know Urasawa has been able to bring out these parts of Pluto without Pluto being as uh, like as much of a staple character as it is in in Astro Boy. Like in the Astro Boy art, Pluto is in every single chapter, basically. Like you know, you you know from from chapter one what it is, what it looks like, what it's doing. And here it's a little more ambiguous, but still keeps these like core you know character traits. That's interesting. I'm I'm glad you mentioned that the idea of um in the original that that as, that that Pluto is this you know it, it's it's less about what his wants and desires are and. He's just programmed to do what he does, mm-hmm. and and so to to get that representation in that little mini story with with Uron and the guy under the bridge, and yeah, the idea that he has other sides to him, um, this idea of creation and and what he can do, uh, but yeah, he's, something in him a, a switch flips when he sees Adam that he has mm-hmm. clearly no control over, and and so to to know that that was something that that. Urasawa didn't just make up, but actually was able to expand on from the original. I think that's really, I think that's, I think that's really cool. That, that, that I like, I, I like knowing what that connection is to the original. That mm-hmm. it's more that he took the idea of just, well, I'm reluctantly doing this to almost being like, I have no idea I want to do this until I have to. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's really cool. Yeah. Uh, that basically covers all my notes. Um, I, I do have a question had- actually. Yeah, no, I was, I was just going to say is at open the very it up. end, at the end of, you know, end oh, of volume gosh. four, the end of yeah. volume four, um, which is chapter 31. And, and, you know, the, for the, 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 in that chapter and a couple before I, I mentioned earlier, you know, that the, the, there was this, this big conference between the three major scientists, right? The three that all had um, some major breakthrough with the robotics in their country. And 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 we're we're introduced to to Dr. Tenma, right? And every time we mm-hmm. see him, he is, you know, in, in these meetings, he's always in ha- his face in shadow, everything like that. We, you know, we, we, he he he's he's obscured, and he's the one who is kind of parroting the idea of like we shouldn't make robots any more human. You know, you know, mm-hmm. there's no perfect. The perfect AI, AI is like you know comes from. I can't well the line right in front of me here, but basically the idea of like like misery, hatred, things like like all these negative things come from a a a, a perfect AI and all that, um, and that the the idea of pooling their resources to make the perfect robot is kind of folly. Um, but I get to the end of this chapter and this volume, and I forget all that because apparently Doctor Tenma is like hipster Abe Lincoln. Yeah, it's a is good it, look. It's is, a good is, look. I, mean, yeah. I, I, I don't know what else to say. Other, I mean, he might as well have been wearing a stovepipe hat as well. I, I don't know. I don't know if that was the intent. But, you know, so far, a lot, almost all it's these It's hard volumes, not to read that when you have, like, a basically a Hitler stand-in, a KKK stand-in, and then you yeah. get somebody who looks like Abraham mm-hmm. Lincoln, yeah, which is yeah. not a common look. Yeah, it, well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, and it's, especially since um, some of these volumes have ended on – a large panel like that of reveal, whether it's Adam, Euron, or whatever, Pluto. And now it's again, I'm sorry, it's Abraham Lincoln. I don't know if that was the intent or if I'm supposed, if I'm supposed to read anything into that. 
uh, uh, in terms of what his place is in in American society uh, history. Um, you know, but I, I, everything he said before went out the window for me because I'm like, why is Abraham Lincoln in this story? Uh, so I I don't know if that if that had an effect on anybody else, but I saw that and and everything he had said before about AI and robotics just went out the window uh, because that's all I could see. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I forgot to mention, which I'm embarrassed of, is this incredible twist where uh, Gazik gets assigned to be the protector of <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. of the guy who's off. hunting yeah. him. And it's just like, oh, I don't know why that I didn't like see that coming at all, but it totally got me. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that's so good. And so and Adolf badly, badly wants to kill him but knows Gazik is the only one who can keep him and his family safe. And, uh, and now the death order is out from the KKK to just, it's like, just kill both of them. Just make it a clean job. And, uh, he's still being given instructions to kill Gazik. Even he cleans that, you know, he, he, he absolutely wrecks that cleaning bot in the, yeah. in the rest area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And well, I'm guessing not a lot of weapons on the cleaning bot. Uh, no, but uh, it was mental taunting, basically. It was, it was. And yeah, it just yeah. shows you like, this which guy actually, will throw well, anyone under the bus to cover Which is actually himself. really curious, though. So that goes back to, like, what is the reach of this KKK, you know, that they can... They Hilarious can, that they're using bots to deliver well, messages. And, 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 and like, that's, ex- that's... Extremely... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's ex- that's exactly where I was going with this. This idea of like, what is their reach and and what what's their influence? The fact that they would use uh, a, a robot in order to deliver this message, um, like you know, again, what does that say about them? I think it, it, there's a larger thing about their their pathology and ideology buried in there. Um, but still, it, it is it is yeah. I mean that what we see with with Adolf and 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 Gazit there is 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 you know, there's a that's a pretty common story trope there, right? Like the guy who hates the thing and he's got to protect them. And, you know, how many times does he to say like, this is my job, this is my assignment, so I'm doing it, you know? And he picks up right away that he hates robots. Like mm-hmm. immediately he calls him out on that and 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 it doesn't deter him because obviously it's not the first time he's he's ever heard that or experienced that. Um, but yeah, throwing those two together um, after everything we've seen, everything we've seen from Adolf so far and his specific beef against because he because he thinks that he killed his brother you know and that's obviously where we leave between the two of them um at the end of volume four is in that rest stop bathroom after after adolf has destroyed this cleaning bot um because of of the message he got and then because coming in and stopping him and and maybe using a little too much force or whatever to to pull him off and, and break up that fight we leave them in this volume um with with Adolf accusing him of killing his brother. And then we end on that one shot of Gazit. And then we cut back to, you know, hipster Abe Lincoln at the end to finish to finish off the the chapter there. But, you know, so we're following our main character there. You know, we're we're we leave him in an interesting spot there where now he's being confronted by again this man who hates him because of something he thinks that Gazit did that uh as far as we know right now Gazit didn't do. But also, we know that there are gaps in his memory, and we see some of that there. They allude back to that earlier too. Now that I'm, I'm thinking about it, um, is it? Uh, it's Hoffman, right? Doctor Hoffman, the the doctor that that mm-hmm. made him and does his maintenance. We see what I guess are some flashbacks of like things that Doctor Hoffman is dealing with, of like just run maintenance on him, blah blah blah, things like that. And and, and I can't help but tie that back to this idea that that. Gazit may have some gap in his memory, even though he's being told he's fine. There's no problems. You, you're all good. But that there, there may but, be is this error from three years ago. That's that, that isn't there now. And, and, you know, how do all these things connect? And, and it seems like we're just, we're, we're placing more, we're placing more blocks into that building that that's being built. The story that's coming together, that these things that seem disparate are now maybe starting to merge. Well, Gazit definitely believes that. Well, yeah, so, that's true. That's right. true. Yeah. And so it's yeah. one of those things where it's like, if the yeah, we're, even we're, if it weren't true, we're following along with our main character. Yeah, right. Yeah. Even if it weren't true, he's haunted by this, and anyone who teases him from you know, all you have to say to him is something about you know, five hundred Zeus, and yeah. he's going to lock up uh, because yeah. he doesn't know what 
you're talking about, but he knows like he knows it's something. It's something. He knows roughly what the gap is. He dreads what it might be, but and he badly wants to know. Yeah. Um, and I think he knows it's, you know, it's not gonna be good. It's not gonna be like, oh, I'm glad I found that out. Uh, yeah, it was he didn't lose he didn't lose vacation memories. Uh right. Yeah. Were they wholly overcompensation with the pictures? It was like, oh yeah, uh just to prove that they were there when we said they were, here's thousands of pictures from robots <laughs> who have literal <laughs> photographic memories. Um a little bit of a sloppy job from our scientists. Yeah, not great. not great. Not great. Not uh, great. But anyway, yeah. So with that great twist, and I was trying to think, I was like, it feels like a trope where like the person you're assigned to kill is becomes your protector. But it's oh, like, yeah. I couldn't think of a one-to-one comp for that. I mean, I was trying to think of any specifics. I mean, it, it is, I don't know. I mean. Right. But it's out there. Like it. it's, it's yeah. not like. Yeah. It's not like it's, oh, I've never seen anything quite and, like and, that and, before. Mm-hmm. But man, it's it, like a quasi, it came out of nowhere in a blindside. It's like a quasi. It's 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 not it's it's not quite a Stockholm syndrome thing because there's a reason why. But the idea that the person you're out to kill is now your only hope of of say of, of of staying alive. Yeah, that I mean, uh, I can't believe my mind's going blank on the pop culture references right now. I guess that that well's tapped for the moment, but. Um, I'm sure as soon as as soon as we end this call, I'm sure I'll I'll be in the shower and 15 things will jump to mind. But as of right now, yeah, I can't think of any specifics, but yeah, you, you know, that's a, that's a story trope and a story beat that happens. You know, the idea of enemies to friends or enemies to protectors, that sort of thing that happens Mm -hmm. all the time. And, and, you know, um, I think it's deployed well here because we have someone who for all intents and purposes, Adolf is just, He's the worst. He's on the he's on the the far the far lunatic fringe of of his beliefs and and being thrown into again with a a specific robot that he he carries a specific beef with, you know. So it's not just any robot he has to deal with. It's this one specifically, um, you know, to to the point where they even think that it was intentional, you know, like he thinks it's intentional, right? That oh they they put him on there on purpose because of what he did to my brother with the idea that I think we, the reader know that as far as we know, Gazit knows nothing about his brother, at least his supposed involvement with his brother. Right. And so it's just kind of, it feeds into Adolf's paranoia really. Yeah. Uh, it, it reinforces it. And, and uh, clearly he thinks Gazit's memory includes everything with his brother and yeah. Gazit's just playing coy or dumb. Play, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Because so, as we talked about last week, the robots have memories. They don't, you know, they, they remember everything. And so why wouldn't this guy, you know, you know, they, well, they, mm-hmm. he should know everything, you know, and, and Adolf doesn't know any doesn't know any different because that's what robots do. Well, that's what I think it's Dr. Hoffman says that that's basically the core difference between robots and humans that, you know, yes, humans yes. forget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes, some, and to the point where, like, they can choose to forget things, or they do forget. Yeah, that that that's mm-hmm. what makes you human, and what will ro- robots have that 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 perfect memory. And of course, we know that we, the reader, know that because he doesn't have that because someone could tamper with it. But he's being told it hasn't been. But again, Adolf has no reason to think that. So yeah, it would just enrage him more that that Gazit is here acting like nothing is is the problem when in Adolf's mind, you know. He, he's on edge enough already. His paranoia, I guess, really isn't paranoia. On some level, he actually someone is actually after him. But the 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 other level of paranoia, specific around Gazit, is being fed by the fact that um, he's suspecting something out of Gazit that Gazit has is completely unaware of. You know, something that this is a situation that's only in Adolf's head uh, that Gazit is completely unaware of until right at the end of of Volume Four. Yeah. Um- Cole, anything else from you on volumes three and four? I don't think I've got any. I don't think I've got any more notes on these. I think I'm I'm pretty good. Yeah, yeah, same. All right. Well, with that, uh, we will leave it to uh, everyone listening. Who you know, feel free to comment on, uh, you know, Instagram, Twitter, Blue Sky, wherever we are. Uh, either comment at Story Darks or Taco Bond or tag us both, uh, and uh, you know, let the 
the internet debate begin. Uh, always a place for productive dialogue. Um, that never goes wrong. Yeah. In the meantime, you can find all the links for the Storied Arcs podcast and the Tonkaban podcast in your episode description. Storyedarcs.com will also have a page for Pluto, which will also have links for Tonkaban, so you can find us all. Uh, subscribe, listen, share with a friend, give both podcasts a five-star rating. Uh, special thanks again to Cole for sitting in with us, and we will see you next time for volumes five and six, which are chapters... 32 to 47. 32 to 47. 32 to 47. I knew everyone except me knew it. So thank you for the pinch hit there. And we'll see you all next time. Thanks for listening. Peace. Peace.